0: Welcome to What's Good Under the Hood. It will never be perfect. Time to begin. And here we go. What's good under the hood? My name's Andy Woods from 97.5 WCOS in the top left-hand corner. Greg Hood, owner of of mazda columbia or oh, am i going right it's it's left side of the hood or it's the left side of the screen. From left Indiana. side of the hood <laughs> and opposite of greg hood is our friend rob sanders from fox sports radio 1400 wcos am what's up fellas how you doing man doing great what's up rob? brother
1: what's going on friend
0: we're talk about cars that's what's going on i like that awesome. i have a question for you school is going back in soon i think college kids are moving in this coming weekend and if you're listening to this after the fact we're speaking of the weekend folks are moving back into usc and other colleges what should you buy your kid for their first car as they go off to college and and a not job. a tank they probably a job. <laughs>
2: if it's Mike they need to get a job and buy their own darn car so yeah. um no i mean listen now a lot of people they're they're not even buying cars for their kids at least the first year i know that um so they can but because of the campus i mean you can get around where you need to be and pretty much do everything you want to do here in, in columbia but um you know we well, we had somebody today and they're buying a car for their daughter and she's from california actually we were having a conversation about that and uh, she she's out here to go to uh, University of South Carolina. I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Well, speaking so of which, do you, do you remember your first car? I didn't, your I didn't answer your here? question. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's what why was that I was going to go. I was going to go into, uh, you know, my, my parents were in that boat that they didn't buy me my first car. I had to buy my first car. But did your parents buy you a car, Andy? Or is that how that worked? Or they bought me. They bought me a 1972
0: Chevy Nova. Which was a gas. That's, a, that's a
2: great car. It was a
0: great that, car. It's it, car, car. It in great condition. It was like a. It was like a. What maroon? It was kind of a between maroon and red. And then I didn't. I didn't like to pay for gas for that. So I got a. I got a Chevette, which was a POS. That's a, not
2: a great car. It was that was, it was a unreal. terrible
0: car. It had. It was white. It had red interior and it had blue. And it was white with with a red and blue pinstripe. Pinstripes did nothing to make this car hip. It was the worst thing ever, and I killed it. Killed it in a snowstorm, ran into a ditch, and then I got a truck.
2: My daughter, uh, oldest one went to Winthrop and uh, she had a Maxima that she was driving. It was my parents' car and I bought it from them and then I gave it to her. <laughs> and she only wrecked it a couple of times. And so anyway, then when she graduated college, I bought her a, a brand new Kia Soul. I was running a Kia store at the time. So she was rewarded. She got a good deal on re, it, didn't you? Rewarded. No, I paid all the money for it. What are you <laughs> talking about? Yeah, I got a good deal. But uh, actually what's funny about that has pretty interesting point. You know, I don't, I didn't own the dealership. I, I just was the general manager. And there were many deals that I saw run out of that dealership that were much better than the one I got because you just, you know, you're not going to go to your employer and say, Hey, can you lose a couple grand on me? They just don't do it. But the second thing is you better buy it from your employer. or You're going to have a new employer. So it was kind of one of those deals. But, uh, and then my, my youngest, um, she went to esthetician school, so, and I when she graduated high school, I actually uh, took her out of the car she was in, and I put her in a Dodge pickup, a lifted one. She's she's wonderful, she's cute, and she's a little rednecky. So she I was, was about ever, to say she
0: she sounds like a Bellamy Brothers song, a redneck girl. Yeah, she's beautiful. Awesome. She's absolutely beautiful. I mean, both of my girls are uh, stunning. They look a lot like their mom, obviously, but
2: um, she got a lifted pickup and absolutely loves it. So
0: well, that's that's speaking-
1: her deal. Speaking of pickups, you know, Andy, we you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago about you know, and Greg, maybe you can help us with this. Why are like, trucks why the hell like, are you so expensive? I mean, are they made of gold? That's the way it seems. You mean new or used? Well, I or both. I, well, and I'll give you an example. My friend Jenna posted online a couple of days ago, and uh I, she's not gonna mind us talking about her. Jenna's Jenna's one of these rock star chicks that like Uh, She's like Instagram famous. She like spends forever getting her makeup done and all that stuff. Anyway, Jenna says, I've been looking around on my marketplace for an older pickup truck for my dad who wants to keep miles off of his nice truck. And the amount of money some of these people want for these trucks with uh, half a lift cloth seats and 250,000 miles on them is ridiculous. And she capitalized that 15, 16, 18 K. I know everything's inflated right now, especially used cars, but that's just insane, isn't it? Am I crazy? Is she crazy or is it something no, else?
2: She, well, no, she's not crazy, but this isn't a new thing. Are the prices a little inflated now compared to what they were? Yeah, but I will tell you this. If you went back two years ago, um, they were still crazy for a new, a used one. The price of a new one is a lot, so that kind of helps that part. But I was looking. I have a piece of property uh, that I live on. It's not huge, but it's. Um, I wanted kind of a – call it a trash truck. I was – I'm going to do the landscaping and all the stuff uh, on the yard. And I want something that I could throw dirt in and rocks and all that stuff and not mess it up. And I started looking around. I was looking on auto trader and Craigslist and everywhere else, just looking for a junker and a a beat up 200,000 mile Ford Ranger seven grand. And I'm like, what? I mean, they were darn near not that new. I mean, you can't find a used Toyota pickup really for much less than 10 what should the ranger have been priced at what would you think would be a fair price for that 2 3 i mean yeah. that that's that's really the number for probably what they should be with 190,000 or 200,000 miles i mean it's a ranger pickup i mean it's kind of nearing the end of its usable life probably at that point but um, you know, but then again, there aren't a lot of small pickups on the market. They're all mid-sized now, like a Colorado or or even the new Ranger, they're bigger. and so the smaller pickups, like the old eighty one hundred uh, Toyota pickup, which is that base model Toyota pickup, we sold those new for seventy nine ninety nine. And I'll tell you what, if you saw one in good condition today and that would be back in ninety five, if you saw one good in really good condition today, I bet it would still bring more than that. So, I mean, right now I have on the lot. I mean, I so I bought the thing and I'm using it as a truck uh, around. And we actually just put it in our inventory. It's a '92 Chevy four wheel drive. It's a beautiful truck, um, but I paid a lot of money for it. I mean, I think I paid eight grand for the thing, and it's a '92. It's in exceptional shape for a '92, but it doesn't matter. So, and I've got more net in it because I went through and did some work on it as well. So to that's answer a the question,
0: nine-year-old vehicle, that's a that's almost a 30 year old vehicle,
2: yeah, except for it's got a lot of cool to it. It's good looking. I mean, yeah. it that, that was a great year range of years for Chevy pickups when you had the ones that were squared off in the 80s, which are kind of making a resurgence now because they're an inexpensive vehicle that a guy could buy for three or four grand and turn into kind of a hot rod. Um, you know, they they're starting to increase in value, too, because everything is unobtainium that's what it's made of you know uh you just can't afford to buy them and then which flips over to what a new pickup is i mean there's new pickups out there that are touching close to 100 grand and so you know if one depreciates to in half you know after four or five years in theory although they aren't right now but normally you know so now you're at, you were started at 85 or 90 and so now you're at 40 on a truck that's five years old with you know, 80,000 miles on it. And where do they go from there? I mean, they're not going to get down to 10 grand. They just never will. Do they cost that
0: much more to make a pickup or is it just what the market will pay for it?
2: Well, I think that's the manufacturer's profit centers. If you look at Tows and Suburbans and, you know, SUVs, I'm using those as an example or, or a Ford pickup or whatever that those are where they make their money when they build a Chevy Cruze or a, Toyota Corolla or whatever, they don't make any money. I mean, there's because it probably this is me kind of talking a little bit out of my hind end because I don't know this part to be a fact, but it probably doesn't cost them a whole lot more money to make the Toyota Corolla than it does the Tundra. I mean, you got bigger wheels and tires and those cost more and you got some other stuff, but they all have a steering wheel, a radio, air conditioner, tires, wheels, fenders. And so you're telling me you're adding a little bit of metal and a bigger motor and that equals 40 grand no way and you don't the, the what will show that as well is and we the dealer don't participate in that this is outside looking in but when a manufacturer puts a $8000 rebate on a pickup like they did 3 years ago or 2 years ago they got $8000 to hand out to a customer back against it so you can't tell me that they're not making a lot of money on those but once again one offsets the other and so, to make a car, they're not making money on a smaller car, and they have to make more money on the other. And so, that's that's how they do it. And that's why they're so expensive. And people pay it. Well, so, the original why,
1: question
0: was – go ahead, Rob. Go ahead, Rob. No,
1: I'm just wondering. I mean, you're saying they're not making any money off a small car. Then uh, the the uh, entrepreneurial side of me says, then, why the hell are you making small cars? If you're not going to make any money off of them, why because not just – I'm going to be in the truck have, business and make trucks.
2: Now, but you have to have a spread. There's brand loyalty you're looking at, too. I mean, so you're looking at an individual thing and a manufacturer of a car a car dealer. We're looking at retention. So if I you go back to what you said earlier on, if I have a college student that's going to buy a car, I put her in a Mazda three or in more of a lower end Mazda and she really enjoys the car. She gets out of college. She gets a job. She wants to get a new car she's going to step up. So now all of a sudden she, she goes, well, I'm going to go look at the Mazda because I really like this. It was great. And so she stays in it. So it's an advertising and marketing investment in them to make that car. There is a demand for the car, although cars are going away. So the thing that we're starting to see now is the crossover as the base, more of a base model than we are the regular four-door car. So most of the manufacturers are dropping. I mean, I don't even think Chevy's, other than a Camaro, what are they making in a car now? Hardly anything. So, um, You know, they're just going away so that but you got to have an entry level car and you got to give somebody a taste of a brand so they will continue that on. So it really it's a gamble. It's a risk if they make a good enough product that has good enough value where they um, have brand loyalty. They'll have that customer for a long time. And if you remember back to your dad or your grandfather, you know, they used to go, well, I'm a Ford guy or I'm a Chevy man. You know, we used to hear that stuff all the time. And and you knuckleheads, and I use that word knucklehead again. Here we go. You both drive
0: Hondas. I'm sorry. That's my brutal. first car was a Honda, eight thousand dollars in 1983 for a so brand you new Honda Accord.
2: Just proved my point. Yeah. And Andy, I, I mean, and Rob, you've had a lot of Hondas too, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, but and it it goes back to what you just said. Like my my Honda that I bought, the first one was like an I thought it was an awesome car. And I was like, well, i, I you know I, I liked my Honda, so why not go and get another one? I mean, that makes sense. So
2: you've answered your own question that why would they make the investment to build a car? And, and when Honda got started on cars, so I'm not going to tell you that they're not making money. That's mostly what they sell. They figured out a way to do it. But when you're looking at big manufacturers like General Motors or the, there's there are were certain cars, I remember in their line, they they said we are absolutely not we're losing money to sell the car. And, and if they are not losing money, they're not making a lot per vehicle. So, you know, therein lies the challenge. But also, they've developed brand loyalty. You've bought enough cars over a period of time. Um, they're doing well.
0: What happens when you when you go to buy a car for your college kid and and you buy a used car? You end up with a lemon. What is your, what is your recourse? What happens next? On a used car? You know what? I mean, it depends. I mean, it depends on how you buy or the car. Or even on a but, new car.
2: Even on a new car. All right. Well, those are two very separate things. So, you, we'll, we'll start with the used car. I mean, if I have a belief that no matter what, I mean, there's, you know, we have a buyer's guide that's on the window. The Federal Trade Commission uh, requires us to have uh, a piece of paper on the window, and it says, as is or no warranty. And one of those boxes needs to be checked. Some dealers do it where they'll give you a three-day, 3,000-mile 3, um, warranty on maybe drivetrain, depends on the car. So, if it's still under manufacturer's warranty, it's covered. Now, once again, let's go back to the question. So, let's just assume for a minute that they bought a 2019, it's still under warranty, and it has issues. Um, There is no lemon law for that. So, that's kind of dealer discretion, although it really is more of a manufacturer issue because we don't build them, we just sell them. And I know that customers have a tendency to want to hold us responsible for everything that happens. And it just doesn't work that way. Now, good dealers, um, I personally, if if a customer you know, has a car for, if they bought it even as is, if they had a car for a week and the transmission went out and I, you know, I'm gonna help them out, I'm I'm not gonna be turning my back on them. But there are cars that we sell that are as is. They're, we call them cash cars. They're ones that are very inexpensive. They're maybe not in great shape. We try and put them through the shop and make sure they're mechanically sound. But, you know, we can't get inside of an engine to see if there's a problem. You, you listen for it, you drive them, you look for codes um, in the computer systems, and, and hopefully you'll stumble upon something if there's a problem. But it really boils down to dealer discretion. When you're talking about a new car, now you get into a whole different uh, can of worms. And there are lemon laws that allow there's a certain process that you have to go through. So if you have a problem with your car, um, there are steps that you have in the guide that they give you when you buy the car that says how you would get a car returned or bought back from the manufacturer under lemon law. And let me tell you something; it's a hard process. I mean, a car's not a pair of shoes, so it's a little bit different. You just can't get your receipt and go, "Hey, I want to take you back." It, it is something that you know it does require a process to do that. It's the one that you really want to avoid if you can. A lot of times, a manufacturer is a whole lot more eager to trade you out of that vehicle. So they'll offer you some trade assistance. And I've seen a lot of customers just dig in and say, nah, I don't want this car, I hate it, and I'm not getting another one. Well, you know what? Then you're going to go through the process. And, you know, we have to, as a dealer, we're not really an advocate then. We are, we're kind of in, in neutral territory. We have to be very careful what we do because everybody's so litigious now, we don't want to get pulled into it. So we have rules of what we can do and not do in a lemon law case, but um, they can be they can be kind of challenging. Normally between dealer and manufacturer, they can work with you and come up with a solution. And, and I would tell you that probably 95% of the time, uh, that's the way that stuff goes down. If there's a problem, even if they use car, I'll generally work with a customer if there's a problem uh, with the car. Cause I want a good reputation for us and I want them to be a happy customer and also have a safe car.
1: I, I know we have to go here in a second, but uh, it, it's probably better. Uh, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree that it's probably better to actually go through a dealer as as opposed to just saying, "All right, I found a guy that that has this car that has been sitting in his garage or whatever for X amount of time." I mean, Absolutely. if you go through a dealer, it's it's probably you probably got a little bit more of a. Um, I mean, the dealer's going to want to try to keep you happy because they want you to tell everybody else, right? Whereas other well, guys may be like. That. We, we
2: recondition, we recondition the car. So what we're doing is getting it ready to be sold. I mean, we make decisions too. You know, like I always say when a technician says, Oh, a car's got an oil leak, I go, Is it weeping, seeping, or leaking? There's a big difference. You know, if it's got a little weep with a little bit of dust on it, I'm not replacing a valve cover gasket for that. I mean, it's just not necessary. And probably the next 200,000 miles, it won't even develop into a leak. It's just got some moisture that attracted a little bit of dust. They're, They're in there. I'm the customer at that point where they're trying to make sure that I'm handled, that they're doing a thorough inspection. And I get that, that's what their job is. But that doesn't mean I have to say yes to all of it. But we are taking a hard look at the car, harder look than a customer ever would. And even though you could take it to a mechanic, we have a lot more at stake. So I always say that if you feel like, well, I'll pay more from a dealer, you might, but the old adage, you get what you pay for, you know, you buy it from Joe down the street, you have zero recourse. And I mean, zero. And that means if the car was cut in half and, or whatever, and you know, some person welded it back together and they got away with it, you have zero recourse. And so, you know, you get something for your money when you're dealing with the dealer.
1: Or if you the buy the episode, car that will... they used, uh, if you buy the car they used in Pulp Fiction, where, you know, you had all the <laughs> that, that scene, you don't you don't want to deal up, with that. i
0: right? seven there. Yeah, yeah that exactly. Was, uh, that was terrific. That was terrific. It's what's good under the hood on the next episode. We're going to look into refinancing your car. Should you and how to find a certain car? If you're if you're in the market for a unique color, unique model. That's on the next episode of what's good under the hood. Greg Hood. Rob Sanders and me, Andy Woods, thanks for listening and or watching. Once again, if you're only listening, you can check it out on the Mazda of Columbia YouTube channel.